Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Small Town Hunter Podcast. I'm your host, Jodon Baker. Now, today our guest is Zach Sweeten of uh, North Texas, and he and I discussed the draw hunt system in several different states, Oklahoma being my home state, Texas being his, and we talked a little bit about Montana, uh, which he and I both put in together along with his dad and drew a, a Montana non-resident deer tag this year. So we're really looking forward to getting up to Montana and chasing some mule deer bucks. So stick around and I uh, hope you enjoy the conversation. You there? I'm here. All right. Well, in the words of Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, today, guys, uh, we have Zach Sweeten on the line with us today. Zach, how's it going? Going good, man. How about yourself? Do you prefer Zachary or Zach? Either one's fine. Typically, it's Zach, though. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I know that that's what I've always known you as, but I know your surname is Zachary, so I didn't. I wanted to get that out of the way before we, before we mess that up. Well, today, Zach, you and I are going to discuss draw hunts. Now, draw hunts, for people that don't know, you can go online. Used to, you could go on paper to states all across the United States and, and enter in, into hunts either on certain public lands, certain units. It all varies by state. And we're going to cover three states in particular. Oklahoma, which is my home state. We're going to cover Texas, which is your home state. And then we're going to cover Montana because both of us and your dad have been awarded a Montana non-resident deer tag. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. November can't get here fast enough as far as I'm concerned. You know, uh, I, I drew that tag last year as well. And uh, Wyatt and I went up there. And actually, our first podcast that we ever recorded was coming home from Montana. And we were riding in the pickup. And I thought, you know what? let's try this podcast thing, you know, and, and give it a whirl. And he and I were both successful on the second day of a five day hunt. And it just turned out unbelievable. Yeah. You know, that's the thing about the sport that we uh, partake in, man. It, it leads you to some really unexpected places, some un- incredible places. And, you know, like we're talking about tonight with these draw hunts, if you take advantage of them, you can go to some of these places relatively cheap and uh, end up hunting in places you never thought you'd be. Well, especially if, you know, you compare the cost of, you know, say what it took us to put in to draw Montana. And, you know, we're going to have some fuel expense and food and lodging and that kind of stuff. But you compare that to, you know, going to Montana on a guided elk hunt or whatever. I mean, it's 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 a no brainer. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, and for some a lot of guys, that's the only option. You know, True. not everybody can throw $3,500, you know, at a, at a single hunting trip. Yeah. Well, what I want to do is, uh, I, I like to break the ice with a question, kind of throw you off your game a little bit. Are you ready? <laughs> I might as well be. All right. So Zach, you, I know you and I are both big movie buffs and we're always, you know, sending movie quotes to each other and this and that, but what movie would you be embarrassed if the rest of the world knew that you enjoyed? I don't, apparently, there's one that should come to my wife, I mean, to my to mind immediately. My wife is laughing in the background. <laughs> uh, uh, man, I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to think on that. I, no, honestly, you gotta go. You gotta I, shoot well, from the no, hip. I, I, here, here's the thing. I, there's a lot of movies that uh, that I watch that a lot of people would probably think, I can't believe that guy watches that movie. So it's right. really hard for me to pick one out that would embarrass me, honestly. Okay. Uh, hmm. I don't know. Are you a fan of the Lifetime Movie Network? No, not a fan of Lifetime Channel. Well, uh, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> or Hallmark. Uh, That's what my wife, she's into the Hallmark deal. You know, the Christmas in July. It's July right now in, in all that Christmas in July stuff's all over my DVR, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Make sure I'm out scouting or doing something when you're watching these. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm down here just working off an antenna, man. I don't have, uh, I don't have <laughs> a dish network. I don't even have a Lifetime channel. So, it has, you know, it either has to be a movie I watched years ago or uh, something that's made it to primetime television. I got you. 
Well, we're going to circle back to that because you're not getting out of it that easy. Oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll come up with an answer. I'm just trying to think <laughs> one that's really good because there are some out there for sure. Okay. Well, Zach, you and I met, um, was that in 2013? Yes, it was. So it, it kind of it's kind of neat how this all comes full circle. Zach and I met on a draw hunt here in Oklahoma. Um, he being a Texas uh, resident, his folks had a place in Oklahoma, so he was – buying licenses for both states and hunting both places. And so he's like, well, you know what? I'll try this out. So um, you put in for the McAllister Army Ammunition Plant Hunt, and me and Andy Green put in for it as well. And for those of you who don't know about the Oklahoma draw hunt system, there's one hunt in particular that really draws a lot of attention. Um, I think there's, is it eight or ten weeks of hunters, and around 300 to 350 hunters per week get drawn for this hunt. Does that, does that sound about right? I think if you include the the disabled veterans hunt that they do at the first of the season, I believe there's six six hunts is what, oh, okay. is what they run. Okay. Well, I know it's a bunch. You know, we're talking a couple thousand guys that are tromping on uh, what we now know as a, a, an ammunition plant that builds bombs, stores bombs, and explodes old ordinances. And it's a really cool hunt, but since it's so sensitive to, you know, the ammunition stuff and the bombs and this and that, no guns are allowed. It's archery only, but it is traditional archery only, recurve or longbow. Uh, no sights, no, is it no stabilizers either, right? Yeah, no sights, no stabilizers, no... Uh... No binoculars, no, no rangefinders. No rangefinders. I've heard this year that they they may have loosened up on the binoculars and rangefinder thing, but really? I don't know that to be a fact. Well, you might want to look into that because you and a few other guys drew that hunt again this year. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We, so uh, we actually drew the same exact hunt that me and you met on the the first non-veteran hunt of the season, October eighteenth. So the first Physical main hunt. Yeah. Yes, the first the first main open hunt. We we drew that that this year well i know that we had a great time it was warm and what's what's really different about that particular hunt is whenever you get there you were by yourself there was another guy by himself old buddy allen and me and andy well this army ammunition plant is divided into quadrants and they're about ten thousand acres each and i don't remember how many guys go into each area but having traditional equipment i mean the odds of, you know, somebody getting hurt or anything like that. Um, but we had to group up together. I, I had a spot on the map I kind of had an idea about. And talking to you, you were by yourself. You're like, hey, man, you got any ideas where to go? Well, they like you to be in a group. They like you to go out and pick up with as many people as possible just so it's less people for them to keep up with. So that's how you and I met. And, you know, we just really sparked a, a friendship from there and, it's, it's really grown into something pretty cool. You know, we've done a lot of hunts together since then. Um, I guess all archery. We haven't yep. ever done a gun hunt together, no, have we? Not no, till uh, this coming November. This coming November will be the first time we've been on a gun hunt. Unless we end up dove hunting in September. But I, That's true. Know, that doesn't really count as a gun hunt, I don't guess. But. No. No, dove hunting in Texas. That's like uh, the September 1st is when it opens, isn't it? Yes, sir. For, for your zone or whatever. And in Texas, for those of you who don't know, it's September 1st is like Christmas to a lot of them guys. That, and it is here in Oklahoma, too. You know, it's the first chance you get to get out and be in the woods for a while and things like that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's good that it falls on a national holiday because uh, if otherwise I think they'd have to let schools out down here. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, so that was my first time ever hunting with traditional equipment i actually had to borrow a bow from a guy and i showed up and there's all these hardcore bad to the bone dudes with these custom built trad bows and they got their their freaking eagle feathers for fletchings <laughs> and they're practicing in the hay bales and like you gonna shoot some i'm like no no i'm not gonna embarrass myself because i had borrowed this guy's bow and i was shooting it with a release because i didn't know no better you know and it was a pretty fun hunt. You know, it started out real warm, real slow. Um, you only have four hours to go out and scout and hang stands. You got to get back. So you really got to, you know, you put your knowledge together and, and find you a good spot to go hunt. And 
I ended up being successful on that on that first trip, which was pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah, it was a great time, you know. And that a hunt like that when you're when you're limited on your amount of of scouting, essentially, you know, you you really have to uh, rely on any and everything you've learned, no matter how much it is. I mean, you know, on a hunt like that, if you see deer sign, you basically need to hunt it, and then you can adjust from there. But. Mm-hmm. You know, we well, didn't have time. You know, in four hours, you've got to scout, hang a stand, and get back to the truck and get out because, you know, up there, that's one thing about that, like you said earlier with the regulations. If if they tell you be in your truck at 5 o'clock and the escort truck will be by at 5.05, he's serious. Yeah, because we found that out the hard way. And you better be behind him. <laughs> yeah, we found that out the hard way. Yes, we did. Because I shot my deer just before dark, and she ran away from the pickup. And so I hollered, you guys were hunting till dark, like we always do. And I said, hey, got a deer down. You guys come in there and help me drag it out. And before we get back to the truck, our phones are blowing up with them guys. Like, where are you guys at? And we're like, dude, we're dragging a deer. Hold up, you know. Yeah. And in our defense, we had called who we were supposed to call. And uh, he had not relayed the message to the to the sergeant or whoever's in charge. Because, you know, it is an actual military installment. And, oh, yeah. And they're the ones that set the rules. You know, it's not. It's not the white hats as they're called, which are the the guys that are there to assist the hunters. You know, it's a uh, it's the military base. It's you know, there's no bending the rules for sure. Oh yeah, you know, it's matters of national security at that point. But you you hunt with traditional equipment on purpose. Well, doesn't everybody? <laughs> no, no, sir, we don't. <laughs> the only time I've ever hunted with traditional equipment was whenever I had to on that particular hunt. <laughs> But well, you killed yeah, a heck I mean, of a buck with a with a trad bow this past year. No, no, you're you're right. Uh, I didn't start out well. You know, I guess every kid starts out trad hunting and they don't really know any better. True, when, that's true. When I was a kid, I, I shot an old fiberglass ambidextrous bow that my dad had had when he was a kid. It, you know, I was probably shooting at one point in time a broomstick that had notches cut in it mm-hmm. off of it. But uh, yeah, I got into trad hunting about a year before that hunt, and when I got serious about it and actually bought you know, had a bow built for me specifically, and uh, I've become pretty efficient at it, pretty serious about it, you know, it's definitely a passion for sure, Uh, and yeah, I did, I did kill my best buck to date this past year on our deer lease here in Texas with my trad bow, so, you know, and I killed, prior to that, the best buck I killed previous to him was a buck that I killed with a trad bow on my parents' place uh, there in Oklahoma, so, you know, I've, my two biggest deer I've actually killed inside of 15 yards with a, with a stick and string, as they call it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Seeing as how I have a hard time killing a deer with a compound bow, <laughs> I don't think I'm ready for that leap. <laughs> well, but like you said, you you were successful at McAllister, and, uh, and I never even drew a bow back. So, you know, yeah. you, situations are, that's the thing about hunting. You know, you, you've got to be out there, and you never know what's going to happen when you are, so. Well, that's why we do it too, you know, and you know, this, this, you know, for those of you guys who don't know, Zach and, and I, and, and several other guys, we, we have started taking an annual trip to a, a ranch in deep, deep South Texas on the Mexican border to hunt javelina every year. And, and it's an archery only hunt, but I use a compound and you actually got one killed with your longbow there this year, didn't you? Was it your longbow or your recurve? Uh, that was my longbow that I killed. I actually, yeah, I killed two there with my longbow. One of them we couldn't recover till the following day. That's right. Uh, and, you know, honestly, uh, that was my sixth year in a row to attempt to kill one with a longbow. And uh, it was the first year that I was successfully able to harvest one. I've shot several, but, and you were with me for several of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you know, down there, if it's Ugh. less than a perfect shot, then the likelihood of recovery is uh, is slim to none in that country down there. So, well, what a lot of people don't know is how freaking thick it is down there. It's yeah, mes- it, mesquites you know, and cactus, and everything pokes you, and it's like a freaking dog's back. You know, it's so thick. Yeah, it is, and it's like you know, you think of mesquite thickets like we would have mesquite thickets here in Texas, or like y'all have, I'm sure you have them there where you're, you know, where you live at too, you know. No, actually it's further south of here. I don't have any mesquites where I, where I live. But, you know, the mesquite thickets down there are different than a mesquite thicket here where I live, you know, mm-hmm. eight hours north of there, and that's, you know, 
here it's mesquite and grass. Down there, like you said, it's mesquite, and then every possible thing that can have a thorn on it is also growing <laughs> in there. So, yeah, and there's not a tree on this giant ranch, which is the Callahan Ranch. You can look it up. It's just north of Laredo, Texas, and there's not a tree on the place over 12 foot tall. No, if there is, I haven't found it yet. <laughs> and those vaqueros down there run them cows through that crap. I don't know how in the world they do it, but God almighty. No. But he was the ranch hand that we talked to that one time. He said that they we had a uh, that one pasture was three or four thousand acres, and he's like, "Yeah, we got to get cows out." I'm like, "Well, how many head you got here?" He's like, 32 I'm like, "Oh my god, there ain't no grass down here, bro." Yeah, well, you know that if I'm not mistaken, I think the main part of that ranch is just under a hundred thousand acres, and they run a thousand head of cows on it. Isn't that weird? Total. That, you know. That's crazy. A thousand head of mama cows, and then they pull. You know, of course, they pull all the calves off as soon as they wean because they can't run. They can't run that many cows. They can't afford it with no grass. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a unique place for sure. You know, I, it's it's a it's one of those places in which a lot of places in Texas are that way. But it's one of those places where it can literally be twenty eight degrees when you get out of the you know, cabin in the morning to start hunting and be 103 degrees by lunchtime. And we've seen it. We've seen rain. We've seen dry. We've seen cold. We've seen hot. And we've been on Havelina every year down here. Yeah, it's a, it's a great hunt, you know, and, it, and honestly, that's, it's great practice for, for whitetails and in any kind of hunting that you're going to do, you know, where you may end up in a stalking situation because that's typically that's how we hunt them is, you know, we yeah. we find them and then stalk on them, and they're they're prime candidates for it. The thing is, they're they're a lot more wary than people give them credit for. And when you're trying, they're to skittish get, as hell. When you're trying to get inside of you know twenty yards, uh, it you know they're I think they're a little bit more skittish than a feral pig, and they're a lot faster than a feral pig. So you know. Well, and they got, they're usually in large groups, you know, you know, three to four to 40, you know, you never know. And there's a lot of eyes to fool. Exactly. Exactly. And so, if you don't have the wind, they'll smell you quick for sure. Yeah. I think their nose is as good as a feral pig for sure. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, you know, and that's just one, one example of the places we've ended up since stumbling into a draw hunt and having no idea of what we were getting into when we, when we did it. So, yeah. Well, uh, on the draw hunt that you drew this year, you're going back to McAllister, and, but you drew a different area this time, correct? Yes, I drew the hominy unit, what they call it, I believe. And then we hunted Deer Creek the last time we were down there. So it's you don't have any previous knowledge of, like, if you drew Deer Creek, you could go to where you saw deer or where I shot mine or whatever, and you'd be in the chips. But now you got to learn it all over again. Exactly. And it, just looking at that, I mean, you know, you think, well, it's the same place. It's just the other, uh, you know, a sectioned off unit. But when you're, you know, every unit up there, like you said, is between the smallest one's 8,600 8, and the biggest one's almost 12,000. So, you know, when you're talking about being a mile and a half, two miles in the Oklahoma Hills, that could be completely different oh, yeah. you know, terrain. Different, You know, is it flat? Is there hills? Is it? grass is it you know hardwoods pine trees uh, eastern well flavors. and you almost got to be tree specific because had i not been in the tree that i shot mine in i wouldn't have killed one yeah you well, know what i mean it's got to be that finite of a of, an, of a spot yeah when you're when you're limiting yourself you know and, and you know i practice out to 30 yards with my traditional boat but i would never shoot at a whitetail at 30 yards i mean it's just not it's not ethical i, I don't I don't doubt that I could hit one, but too many things can go wrong. So when you limit that to, you know, I prefer to be 12 to 18 yards. Well, yeah, an 18-yard circle inside of 10,000 acres is a, you know, like you said, you're having <laughs> yeah. to be pretty tree-specific. Yep, for sure. So uh, I wanted to kind of go over, you know, the different states, how they differ, and for anybody that may want to get into the draw system but haven't either – they just don't know about it or they're, they're unsure. It's a lot to take in. I wanted to break down some, a lot of the things that maybe you and I have learned over the years to maybe give some other people some knowledge. Um, what I, what I know most about is the Oklahoma draw hunts. I've been putting in for years and years and years. 
And the reason I know how many years I've been putting in is because they give you a preference point for each year you do not draw. So Oklahoma breaks it down into three game species. They do an elk draw, they do an antelope draw, and they do a deer draw. Well, uh, the elk tag and the antelope tag are once-in-a-lifetime draws. So it takes a lot of guys a lot of years to draw it. I've got 15 preference points in the elk and 14 in the antelope. And I've drawn, drawn a couple times in the deer hunts. And so every time you draw, your points get reset to zero and you start over again. Each year you apply, you are unsuccessful. You get one, two, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not a preference point like a lot of states do. Oklahoma's preference point, all it means, it's still a lottery. All the preference point in Oklahoma means is you get another name in the hat. So in the elk draw, I've got 15 names in the hat for next year. That doesn't mean that some dude with one ain't going to draw it. There was a guy that called me the night that they came out this year, which was a fiasco, because they told us it was going to be ready 8 a.m. January 2nd or whatever it was. And then, nope, nope, we're going to push it to three. So we're all on pins and needles. And then it was like 545 when they finally released. Well, I got a phone call or a text from a guy. He's like, I need you to call me ASAP. I got huge news. And I knew, I knew right then. I'm like, this sucker drew a freaking bull tag. Called him up, sure enough. First year he's ever put in, he drew a freaking bull tag in the Wichita Mountains, which I ain't mad at him. It, 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 it can happen, but it's just the odds were way stacked against that dude. Yeah, because, well, I mean, what is there probably? Well, I mean, first off, you know, because it's common knowledge to you, but, you know, for me, when I first started looking at the monster hunt, I had no idea that there was elk in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I didn't even mm-hmm. know that there was a, a sustainable wild elk herd in Oklahoma until I started looking at the draw hunts. Uh, you know, and for you guys in Oklahoma. So the draw hunts are for the Wichita Mountains Wildlife Refuge. And there are some elk on private land, but, man, that stuff is guarded. You got to really, really know somebody really well to get on private land. So most everybody that hunts elk in Oklahoma does it on the wildlife refuge, which people are like, it's a refuge. You shouldn't be killing them. Well, you got to manage that resource just like you would on any other, you know. Yeah, it's no different than livestock. I mean, you can't have so it's it's on vital two, on too few acres, or they they'll starve to death. So, I mean, you're right. You know, yep. And what's really unique about that refuge? Sorry about that. Uh, what's really unique about that refuge is they have an elk population and deer population, along with a lot of other wildlife, but they also have buffalo and longhorns. And I go down there quite a bit because I don't live too far from there. And they were telling us in the in the visitor center that the they keep the herd of buffalo, longhorn, and elk and deer and all that stuff sustainable to where that region can support all those animals grazing for five years during a drought. So like they have enough grass that they can move around for five years in case there's five dry years in a row or whatever. So I think that that's pretty finite yeah, management I mean, in my opinion. That's definitely I think it's pretty neat what they're doing and how that works and and what that you know. Despite how guys may get upset, you know, like you said, you know, not necessarily that you're mad at your buddy, but, you know, you've got 15 years. And technically, I think you've got more than that, you know, after they reset the system. I think you lost a few years from what you told me, but yeah, you get into that. Uh, yeah, it pisses but, me off. you know, uh, those guys that put in and don't get drawn, you know, their $5 that they pay times however many thousand guys put in for the elk hunt, that money goes mm-hmm. – to help with that research and help with that, you know, advancement of that wildlife for that area. So, you know. Well, you brought up a good point that it, the Oklahoma draw in order for you to enter in the system to each year is $5, which is way affordable. But you think, oh, $5 for deer, five for elk, five for elk. Nope. It's $5. You get to enter in all of the hunts for five bucks. Exactly. Like, and you, you basically, if I'm not mistaken, and like I said, you know way more about the Oklahoma draw than me, but you can essentially pick five whitetail hunts, one antelope hunt out of a what a possible two or three locations, and then one elk hunt out of what two or three locations, and then each each location is either it's a bull it's three or on the antelope cow tag or a right. It's three antelope, three elk, and five deer hunts that you can choose from. Yeah. And then with the deer, if I'm not hunts, mistaken, and then you can choose from, but you can pick up to five of those, right? Like there's about a hundred hunts. That that mistaken. that's true. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. You go through you know the different WMAs, uh, National Wildlife Refuge, et cetera, et cetera, that they can control how many deer are taken out of there versus you know National Forest. You know they're selling tags over the counter or draw systems or whatever, but they're not they're not really knowing or like it's say you have a, an area. Okay, we can afford to take sixty deer. Uh, the rate of success is this, so we need to put out this many tags, all that, you know, it's a pretty small area in comparison to say 3 million acres of BLM. So they can, they can really manage it by knowing how many tags they give out and in, in areas that may not be hunted normally. Exactly. So, and like you said, with the elk tag, I don't know off the top of my head, but you know, I, I know some of the bull hunts, most of the bull hunts, they give out very limited amount of tags and there is, several thousand guys put in for it so if if i'm memory serves i want to say that last year there were twelve thousand applicants that signed up for the elk hunt here's what i don't know is that twelve thousand people or is that twelve thousand entries and what i mean by that like is that twelve thousand count everybody's preference points is it you know say just for easy math is it you know a thousand guys with 12 points yeah. You know what I'm saying? 12, I don't know. Exactly. I don't know how, how so, they do that. And I don't either. You I don't know, know. But, you know, I, I know, uh, like you said, it was kind of a fiasco. That, you know, a new system this year. They switched over. They they were a little bit behind getting the, the results out. You know, basically a day, a full business day behind getting the results out. They did get them out on the day they said they would, though, so i got to give them props there. They did. Uh, and apparently they stayed late to do it because I know some guys didn't get their results till nine or ten o'clock at night. So, you know, but oh wow, okay, you know, uh, those. The problem is a lot of those guys are are the people that are trying to figure that out. As soon as the results don't come out at eight o'clock, you can imagine how many phone calls they start getting. And oh yeah, and oh, to yeah. their credit. I've called them in the off season when they're not busy and you know, they're some of the nicest people. They give you the as much information as they can give you. You know, they're really easy to work with. Uh, you know. So sure. I can only imagine what it's like for them whenever things get thrown off track and you've got, you know, sixty five thousand people wanting to know why why the results mm-hmm. aren't posted on time. So Yeah, that that would shut the old phone system down at the <laughs> most likely. So I wanted to bring up one more thing on the on the elk hunt in Oklahoma. What what some people need to realize if if you're a young guy and you're physically fit enough to climb those mountains and go after a bull if you need to, keep putting in for the bull. But let's say you're getting into the autumn of your life and you may not be able to hike as much or you feel like, man, I got one or two more good hiking years in because that country's rough. So the elk hunt is once a lifetime, whether it's a cow or a bull. So let's say you got 27 points, right? And you've never drawn a bull tag, and you're like, you know what? My arthritis is acting up. My knee needs to be replaced. I got one more year left in me. Put in for the cow hunt. I mean, you'd rather go kill a cow than not kill nothing at all. I mean, in my opinion, some guys may be like, I'm, I'm bull or nothing. I don't know. But that's, there's a little strategy that goes into that. Um, I don't ever put in for any cow hunts because – with 15 points i'm liable to draw and, and then i would be mad at myself so i'm going to keep putting in for a bull till i either draw one or i get too old and crippled to where i can't go chase him and then i'll put in for the cow and go shoot me a nice meat cow and enjoy yeah. the hunt it'd be pretty cool but i thought that that was something worth no it is it is and that's, that's for, that's for some information that. you know i figure at some point that's probably what i'll do you know i, I think i've got four points now for the oklahoma uh elk tags i've I missed a couple of years putting in for the Oklahoma hunts just because, you know, life life does what life does, and I didn't get around to doing it. But sure, uh, I think I'm up to four or five points now for the elk hunts. And, you know, I if everything keeps clicking along, I'll keep putting in for the bull tag. But if it gets to a point where uh, I feel like, you know, I may not be able to, to keep up with them and, and make the hunt as enjoyable as it should be, then that's probably what I'll do is, you know, try to burn my points on a, a lot higher percentage cow tag because there's considerably less guys put in for it. You know, your odds are about one in they're about one for in that reason getting drawn for a cow, whereas they're one in several hundred for getting drawn for for the bull. So if not yeah. in the thousands. I mean you're talking they're giving out sixty bull tags and there's twelve thousand people applying. I, I'm not I'm no mathematician. 
Yeah, and, that, you know, and that's, that's one thing I really like about a lot of the draw systems. If you do your research in Oklahoma, you know, for the previous year, and it doesn't help you for the current year, but for the previous year, they'll show you. Basically, they break it down to the point to where they rank each hunt as to what, you know, basically by percentage of the number one hunt, easiest to get drawn for, all the way down to the hardest hunt. Draw odds, essentially. And they show the odds, the amount yeah. of guys to put in, what your odds are. You know, like for McAllister, for example, the first year I put in for it, I got drawn. Uh, and a lot of guys couldn't believe that. But I basically, that's the only place I wanted to hunt. So I used all five of my deer hunts mm. for the five McAllister hunts. So basically, I, mm-hmm. I I gave myself, you know, I because I hunt that or put in for that hunt specifically, I know the odds for drawing the, the early season McAllister hunts are about one in five, which is pretty good odds. And your odds for drawing the November 17th rut hunt at McAllister are about one in 50. So, you know, for the guys that just mm-hmm. use one hunt or one application, you know, put in for the one rut hunt, yeah, their odds of getting drawn are considerably worse than someone that puts in for all five of them, you know. Yeah, and something else is of note is if you, let's say you put in in 2020 and you don't put in again for, I don't know, it's it's five years. If you don't apply within five years of your previous applicant, you lose your points. So let's say I have those 15 points and I waited six years and reapplied, I would be back at zero. So don't make that mistake. If you enjoy hunting and putting in, <clears throat> keep doing it. Because if you miss a year or two, you're, you're liable to mess up and and lose all your all your points that you yeah, worked so hard points, to earn. Uh, you know, like you said, Oklahoma is a true lottery. Like where I'm at down here in Texas, they, they kind of, it's kind of a high. Well, a, after this year, it'll all be conducted by the state of Texas. But actually in the area I live in, uh, I'm five, six miles from, from Hagerman Wildlife, National Wildlife Refuge, which has for years done its own whitetail draw hunt. And for, you know, the people that don't know, haven't heard of Hagerman Wildlife Refuge, it's for years and years and years. Uh, here in Grayson County, it's an archery only. Uh, it's been known as one of the trophy deer destinations on the planet. I mean, it's, well, the whole yeah, county the whole is archery, archery only, only and the right? whole county is really is really taken off as a big deer county. Uh, the Hagman Refuge, though, for years, but even before the county got popular, you know, the guys that knew about the refuge hunt, uh, you know, it was conducted, like I said, by the by the federal government. Uh, I believe it's five dollars to to apply for it. Uh, and back when I first started doing it, they actually would hold a drawing out there at the refuge, and they would take the big like bingo bingo ball wheel and spin it with the name card. You had to enter oh, that's pretty on a cool. postcard. You still enter on a postcard actually, but now they enter that information into a computer system. But then they would have a drawing. Wow. And everybody that entered would go out there and basically hope to hear their name drawn. But I bet that was, was a fun atmosphere. Uh, it was until it wasn't. You know, basically what happened was it got to the point <laughs> where there was more guys putting in and they had spots, and then so a lot of people started having hard feelings. And so they changed it and went to a computer system. But, you know, uh, the preference points, which is where, where I was going with that, is at Hagerman, it was a true preference point system, whereas they drew a percentage of guys with no points, like a very small percentage of guys were were guaranteed to get drawn with no points. I want to say it was 10 or 12%. And then guys that had one preference point were a little bit higher percentage. So they would draw, you know, of the 150 guys they drew to hunt that refuge that year, because they run it with three hunts, uh, 50 guys a hunt. They have a hunt the first week of November, the second week or the third week of November, and then the first week of December is when they have hunts there and 50 guys per hunt segment and you know the way they the way they run that it essentially the points are once you get to five preference points so say you put in for five years on your sixth year you get to hunt guaranteed there's no worrying about getting drawn at at four years with your fifth when you put in for your fifth year there's about a 90% chance you're going to get drawn. 
So, you know, it's a true preference point system. It's not a deal where you're going to get drawn, you know, enter for 15 years like you have with the elk and never get drawn. So they don't have enough people entering in to where they have to worry about 10 and 12 point Well, people. because the way they, they've always done the preference points that way, it always clears the board because once you're drawn. So let's say you said it's 150 guys. What if 150 guys well, have five points? It's set up where the percentage of – of guys essentially but the, I, I guess the way they've got it set up there's never going to be more guys than what they have spots because you know on average up until now like i said as of this year it's going to go over to the state the state's going to start running it uh the way that and the feds were running it before because it was a national wildlife refuge exactly. and not it a state a, deal it was, a, it was a basically okay. it, it's right here on lake texoma and it's a uh, the Federal Wildlife Refuge, and it's basically one of the biggest waterfowl preserves in the state of Texas that I know of until you get plumbed down to the coast where there's a lot, you know, obviously a lot more waterfowl. But, you know, for this area, it's one of the largest waterfowl preserves in the state. Uh, and hmm. that's where it got its start. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly. That's my son screaming in the background if you happen to hear that. He just, he just woke <laughs> He's up, upset. Uh oh. So, you know, like I said, they on average, I want to say there's about 650 guys every year put into it. But because of the way they've broken it up with the preference points, you know, every year you have so many guys that basically start over at zero again. And then once you're at zero, you're only okay. you've only got about a 10 percent chance of even being being allowed. To I got you. You know. So my I last you. year, I put in with zero points and got drawn. And I got to actually hunt Hagerman back-to-back years. Uh, this year, like I said, there was about 650 guys that put in, and I got drawn 641st. So, uh, you know, that goes to show you, you know, one year I got drawn in the top 150, and the next year I didn't get drawn barely even. I basically got drawn last out of the group of guys that put in. So, yeah, you know – I. I don't know if that's better or worse. A lot of guys seem to think that preference point system like that is is more fair. Honestly, I, I kind of like the way Oklahoma does it, where you just keep putting your name in the hat, and if you get drawn, you get drawn. And if you don't, you don't. And, you know, to me, that's a true lottery system. I, I kind of like the way Oklahoma does it. I know not everybody's happy with it, but you're never going to make everybody happy. No, and, and, you know, people say it's not fair. Well, guess what? <laughs> Life's not fair. I, if it was, I'd have 10 Boone and Crockett bucks on my Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I have know, zero. Uh, like you said, you know, the, the same guys that are complaining about stuff like that, you know, because of the draw hunt stuff that we've, we've talked about over the years and, you know, we've started looking at Montana and we put in, like you said, we were successful – I know we've we've looked both looked at and talked about Montana or about New Mexico, Colorado. You know, we've discussed several options, and in the process mm-hmm. of that, I've started following several of the uh, outdoor pages that are ran by you know guys that we know in the industry and and that you know try to keep the general public informed on how their states do things. And you know, every year, well, Randy Newberg is like the king yes. of draw hunts. If anybody wants to like any specific information, I know he does a lot of out west hunting, but his podcast, I've learned so much. And you can, he does like state specific, like he'll say how to hunt elk in Nevada and he'll break it down on what you got to do for certain units, this many points. If you want to go this year, apply for these units. And he's, he's unbelievable. He's a freaking madman yeah, when exactly. it comes to that you know, stuff. But I, when I, in the process of following that thing, you know, you, social media is great. Uh, you know, a lot. Of, it's great for the guy that's willing to, to put in the work, do his research, ask the right questions at the right time. and But at the same time, you know, in, pro, in the process of following all that, you know, I see so many guys in states like New Mexico, Colorado, Arizona, even Oklahoma, you know, complaining about the out-of-state guys get too many tags and the odds of getting drawn just aren't good anymore. And, and, I, and I understand you want to hunt and you don't get drawn and it's upsetting. But, you know, for a guy like me that's here in Texas, we have a draw hunt system here other than the Hagerman Refuge. The state of Texas has draw hunts, but we don't have 
anywhere near the public land hunting opportunities that, that states like y'all have. Uh, you know, I mean, like I said, I live here. We're out west. And most of my public land hunting I do in Oklahoma. Because there's just, you know, yeah. I know of about a thousand acres in, in Texas that's within a reasonable distance of me that I can hunt on that's public. And one of those places is in a archery-only county that has several people that hunt it. So, you know, and it's one of them, one of those places is 300-something acres, and one of them is almost 600 acres. And that's that's all that I know of. Yeah. You know, uh, whereas New Mexico, those guys have tens of thousands, well, probably tens of millions of acres, you know. Yeah, any of those western states, you know, with, with BLM, Forest Service, that kind of stuff. And you just go to a trailhead and buy your tag, you know, have your tags ahead of time yeah, exactly. and take off. You know, and, and that's what those opportunities for the residential people are there. And they're just not, they're not here necessarily in Texas. Now, like I said, we do have a draw system. It's a good draw system. And they have some really amazing hunts. But, you know. Yeah, let, let's dive into that a little bit. I know that you talked to me the other day about putting in for some of the stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty you know, excited they, about it. Where they really excel in Texas, honestly, is Texas is really big on getting the kids into hunting and into outdoors. Not just hunting. They have fishing opportunities. They have wild, you know, a lot of waterfowl opportunities. It's not just about hunting whitetail, even though Texas has basically made a living selling whitetail hunts for the last 50 years. Uh, you know, they, yeah. I think Texas was probably the front runner in turning the whitetail industry into the business that it is now. Uh I just agree. from a marketing standpoint. But they, you know, in the state of Texas, they have their draw system. Most of the hunts are about $3 a piece to put in for. Uh, if you get drawn, then there's a, a hunt fee, they call it. Some of them are 50 bucks, some are 80 some are 150 some are $130. Uh, and when, Once you're, you're selected. selected. You, you have to pay, you know, a hunt fee to go, which is true in Oklahoma as well. Okay. You know, like McAllister, for us out-of-state guys, is you know, a couple hundred bucks to hunt it if we get drawn. Uh, yeah. Oh, you was know, it really? Have, I think it was like yeah. $30 well, for me whenever I do. For, for out-of-state, we have to buy an out-of-state license to hunt it. So, But, you oh, know, it, it would be the okay. same for you. If you put in in Texas, you could pay the $100 fee or whatever, but if you didn't already have a Texas hunting license, you would still have to buy a hunting license in Texas to hunt here. You know? uh, okay. Now, like I said, you know, they, they really push the youth stuff. So, essentially, any hunt that's available for an adult in Texas, uh, you can put your son or daughter, as long as they're, I believe, nine years old is the cutoff age, you can put them on the, the hunt with you for free. They're, and if they get drawn, say you get drawn for the hunt and you've got your kid on there as your partner, they hunt for free and you pay the 50 bucks or the 100 bucks or whatever the hunt fee is. Uh now, they also you. have a youth-only category, which for the last three years, I put my daughter in for several of those, and uh, they're completely free, 100%. If they get drawn, there's no fee to enter. There's no fee to hunt. You just show up and hunt. So That's uh, cool. And she's been fortunate enough to get drawn twice. Unfortunately, we've had previous engagements and prior obligations and uh, just couldn't make those hunts. Uh, I know last year... Two years ago, she was drawn to hunt mule deer in the Big Bend National Forest or Big Bend State Park down on the Mexico border, uh, and we couldn't make that trip. It was like the week before Christmas, and it just didn't work out logistically for us. And then this year, she was drawn for this past season. She was drawn for uh, a whitetail hunt in the Lower Rio Grande National Wildlife Refuge, which for those that don't know, that area butts up to and encompasses a lot of area owned by the King Ranch, which is one of the biggest ranches in the United States uh, and the state of Texas. Uh, and it has a self-sustained or a self-sustaining herd of Nilgai, uh, which are, you know, not native to Texas, but they were brought into the King Ranch years ago. And then over the years, they've gotten out, gotten loose, and they've repopulated and established themselves in, in the lower Rio Grande Valley area. And yeah, they're and, flourishing you know, down there. You know, Nilgai are, they're basically one of the larger antelope species. Uh, 
I want to say they said, you know, from what I read on them, the mature bulls down there can weigh up to six to 800 pounds. So, you know, mm. it's, I heard it's, it's good eating delicious too. table fare from what I've been told. Uh, I actually, we didn't get to go to that hunt either, but a guy I work with, his son was also drawn. He entered him in the same hunt for the next week after we were supposed to go. And they went down there and were successful. He, his son killed a, a really nice bull down there that weighed about 500 pounds. Uh, and wow. They had opportunities at other. It's unlimited. So they could have killed as many as, as they had a chance to harvest, you know, whatever they felt like was reasonable. They they could have killed four or five if they'd had the opportunity. There's no limit on them because they're not a native yeah. species here in the state. But. But, yeah, I mean, to get back to the draw hunts in general, they basically have, have them broke up into general hunts, youth-only hunts, archery-only hunts, muzzleloader-only hunts. And then in each category from there, they'll break it down into whitetail management hunts, uh, whitetail trophy hunts. Uh, and then, obviously, they have turkey, feral pigs, javelinas. I mean, it, it just it, there's probably – four or five hundred hunt different hunt opportunities depending on the combination you want to put in for and you know uh well so when are the deadlines for these hunts yeah it, they're all all summer long it depends on the hunt date as to when they like right now the the the, the entry started uh on july 1st for the for the hunts here in texas and essentially some of the draws will end at the end of every month and the results will be at the first of every month so like at the end of this month there'll be a few hunts that'll you know that will occur in august and september for like feral pigs and some of the exotic stuff that doesn't have an actual season uh those results will come out next month uh and then you'll enter you know like for for example the three biggest hunts in texas for their draw system are the they call them the big time Texas hunts. Uh, it's a scimitar, a fully guided scimitar hunt, a fully guided uh, bighorn, desert bighorn sheep hunt, and then desert they have, bighorn. Uh, and I believe it's a ibex hunt, maybe that they also have. And all those hunts are ten dollars a piece to put in. But if you get drawn for one of those. On average, there's about 6,000 guys a year put in for them. They give out one tag for Gimsbach. That's right. That's right. It's Gimsbach, uh, wasn't it? They give. Yeah. They I give looked at it the other day when you sent me that link. Hunts. But if you get drawn, it's a fully guided. They put you up in a lodge that's, you know, five-star accommodations. Yeah. Yeah, we're, you know, we're putting in for that. You know, I, want, I want to put in for the sheep hunt for sure. And one-on-one guide uh now i think the bighorn sheep hunt you have to put in individually there's no partnership on that but for the gimsbach and the scimitar you can put in in up to a group of two uh you know but like i said before there's not a lot of public land in texas like there is in oklahoma so a lot of these hunts are private properties that guys have signed up for and they allow part of their ranches to be part of this program now, a lot of it is federal land. A lot of it's national That's or cool. state land. But uh, but a, a whole lot of them are, are parts of big ranches that, you know, they'll section off 8,000 acres and, you know, uh, they'll let guys come in and bow hunt or they'll let guys come in and do a management whitetail hunt for, you know, things like that. So, yeah. And there's hunts that run year-round, honestly. Uh, some of the exotic hunts, like I said, you know, in the state here, there's no – there's no season on them, so I know on the list I sent you the other day, one of the nail guy hunts that I was wanting to put us in for is in April. Uh, one, some of them are in February. Some of the hunts are in, you hmm. know, September, November. So, you know, you, there's opportunities. It's just, there's just, yeah, I guess it just depends on what you're interested in, you know, really. Well, I'm excited. I, I've never put in for Texas. This will be my first year, and uh, I, I thought I may have worn my, my my luck out with the Montana deal. And so far, it's holding true because I didn't draw crap in the state of Oklahoma. But that's all right. 
we got a Montana tag and come yep. November, yeah, me I'm and excited. you and your dad, we're I, heading I've north. I've never hunted that kind of country. I'm glad that you have. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'm hoping that uh, it's cool, man. I'm excited to go back a second year knowing what I'm getting into, knowing what the country looks like, knowing how far apart, you know, the farms are and where town is and that kind of stuff. You know, we'll be in far northeastern Montana, not far from the Canadian border. And we were up there last year, and those 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 people obviously knew we weren't from there because the way we were talking. And they said, what are y'all doing? I said, oh, we're deer hunting. They're like, looked at us crazy. I guess nobody deer hunts up there, which is fine by me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because exactly. at least so, more deer for yeah, the I'm rest excited, of us. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I'm glad to have the ace in the hole of you having already been there and having known, known you know, knowing a few people, making some – uh, contacts in that area that's going to help out a lot you know uh i've hunted we're going to be on public land up there too yeah when I you mean, tell me like 40 there's so of much of it up there land. and the county is yeah huge. i think, I mean, I think that's what the number Montana was is yeah. a big state a lot bigger than a lot of people think it is and the counties up there because they're so sparsely populated you know the counties are or big counties, you know, there's, there's thousands and thousands of acres yeah. in the county. So, you know, but a lot of cattle, a lot of grain, you know, I've never hunted so. that far North. I, I've hunted Colorado. I've hunted New Mexico, uh, Oklahoma, obviously never been, you know, my been with my dad several times out, like I said, to California or to Colorado, but you know, neither one of us have been that far North. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, that country, that territory. Well, I hope I hope you guys get to see some good oh, deer, I, and I hope you get to will. take one you know, for I, sure. What I was really shocked by was after watching some of your, you know, your footage that you brought back with you from that hunt, and then watching the film that you put together of yours and Wyatt's hunt up there was that part of Montana y'all were in was not what I was expecting it to be. There, there was no trees, there was no mountains. There was, uh, no, just, you know, I mean, nope. I know that Montana is a big state that has a lot of grasslands and I just, but I was not expecting you to be, you know, I, the first picture you sent me and I could see about 40 miles behind you and there was no trees. I was really shocked by that <laughs> country being that open. And then there's yeah. in there like that. Yeah, I'm excited. And that tag is good for whitetail or mule deer. And there are both in that area. Uh, it's predominantly mule deer, but there's some whitetail. We seen a really nice whitetail buck up there last year, and if I see that buck, I, I will <laughs> well, take a whitetail in Montana for sure. Well. Yeah, but man, those since we don't get to hunt mule deer that much down here, um, you know, you got to go up north and in the Panhandle and stuff to find mule deer in Oklahoma. It's such an oddity and a, and a rarity for me. It's going to have to take a yeah. pretty dang good yeah, whitetail for me to shoot bet, one, you know, you know uh, up there. And I'm the same way. We have mule deer here, too, in the state, but it, it's so far to go hunt mule deer here in Texas. I mean, the, uh, my one of my guys that I work with, he's got a lease in Turkey, Texas, which is about a four-and-a-half, five-hour drive from here, and they have mule deer on it. But, again, there's no public – mule deer hunting opportunities that i'm aware of there may be some somebody could probably find one somewhere but there's none mm -hmm. that i know of in the state so if you want to hunt mule deer in the state you either have to get on a privately owned lease or get drawn for one of the texas draw hunts at one of the state parks or or something like that you know there's just no opportunity here for us right uh same thing with the antelope there's there's a ton of antelope in texas and there's there's some antelope draw hunts but there's no there's no public land that I'm aware of that you can just go out to and hunt antelope. Well, out in the Panhandle, where all those antelope are, it's big private ranches, wheat fields, and and you know hay, you know, uh, cow pastures and things like that. For for miles from freaking yeah, Oklahoma well, you know, to New Mexico, thing, that whole stretch is antelope, so big, you know, that, just about. I don't think, you know, and I know everybody that isn't from Texas thinks that everybody from texas thinks texas is the biggest baddest state on the planet and that that's not necessarily where i'm going with this but texas is so big that you know the like i said the guy that i work with he's got a place out there that he hunts on it butts up to the big bend state park 
or uh, I'm sorry, Caprock Canyon State Park. And the guy he leases from, he's leasing 3,800 acres. And that guy leases that place out. He calls it his little place. That's his little place, you know, like the Callahan Ranch. Wow. The pasture we hunt in is almost 11,000 acres. The entire place is almost 100,000. And years ago, it was way bigger than that when you counted everything that he leases to run cows on. You know, out in West Texas, mm-hmm. the Panhandle area, it's it's not uncommon for guys to own ten or fifteen, twenty thousand acres. That's just yeah for a small just, you know cow calf operation. That's just everyday business for them. It's you know, and the country's different. You know, it it's not you know if you had twenty thousand acres in Oklahoma, where where I grew up hunting around McAllister and. Uh, Pittsburgh, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh County. Uh, if you had twenty thousand acres there, you could hunt. You could hunt a thousand. Twenty thousand is 000 huge in that country because because it's so thick. <laughs> Out here, you can see, you know, you just cover so yeah. much ground, and the animals have to cover so much ground. It's 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 just a different, you know, and everywhere's different, you know, it is, but yeah. Well, I'm excited, man. I, I, I'm, it's probably one of the most anticipated things. It was for me last year, and this year is going to be no different. So I'm, I'm excited to get up here and show oh. you guys around and show you what, what's available up there. Yeah, and we need to take our shotgun so we can do some gonna, bird hunting when we get up here. I was going to say, is, you know, it's it's pretty cool because that that tag, like you said, it's good for mule deer, it's good for whitetail, and it also includes your, your uh, upland game bird license and if i'm not mistaken I, i'm not sure if it's included or if it's just a small additional fee but you can get your fishing license too and the, from what i hear the fishing is pretty incredible in certain areas up there so you know there's a ton of things i think it is you know, included and, but you know it's 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 just amazing to me the opportunities that are out there if you're willing to put in and you got to do your research, though. I mean, you know, you, like I said, there's yep. every state has high percentage areas. They have low percentage areas. They have areas with big deer, areas with a high numbers of deer. I mean, it depends on what you're looking for, what kind of hunt you want, how anxious you are to get put in. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And don't get discouraged. You know, like like if you draw McAllister and you go sit in an oak tree and you don't see a deer all week, but you know there's 8,000 giant bucks out there. It's not because you're a bad hunter or whatever. It just yeah. didn't work out. Don't get discouraged. Do it again. You know, try other states. Try Texas. Try Kansas. Try Montana, New Mexico, Colorado. Whatever your your financial budget allows for, as well as your time budget, no, and yeah, exactly. what you're physically you know, capable I mean, of. Like you said, you never know if you're going to get drawn. You've got so you know you've got X amount of points and still haven't been drawn for the elk. Your buddy puts in on a whim basically and gets drawn. Uh, one of the guys this year that yeah well that's what keeps it exciting though <laughs> it's like is this the year and you is this the year and then you click the button and it says sorry it's still pending and you, yeah, you exactly. refresh it you know, seven thousand like times when i put in for for mcallister i had been putting in this was my third year in a row to put in so i had three points basically in the draw this year but i put in with a group of guys one of them never put in and the other guy had only put in once before so they average the points. Well, so essentially that we averages went your points. draw with one yeah. point. Uh, and we still managed to get drawn. So, you know, anybody anybody can get drawn. That's cool. You know. And I put in from McAllister, too, and I had five, and I didn't draw yeah. nothing. Yep. So, I mean, there you go. Well, Zach, I know that the uh, Texas uh, draw hunts are coming out. Uh, what website do people need to go uh, to Texas to check Department that out Wildlife. so that they can put in for Texas? Uh, I think it's tdwp.com. Uh, we'll get you there. And then just, yeah, the easiest way to do it. They honestly, can just look up just Texas Parks and Wildlife and it'll get them there. In, uh, Texas Drawn Hunts, and it'll take you directly to that, that drop-down tab. Yeah. Uh, you enter a little bit of personal information, and it basically automatically sets you up an account. And then you... You can 
pretty much from there, it's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, like I said, it's broke into general categories, which would be all your rifle hunts, then your archery hunts. And then they have, like I said, the National Wildlife Refuge hunts, they, which is where Hagerman will be next year, uh, along with a few other places. Uh, and then you'll have okay, uh, what they have, what they call an e-postcard hunt, which basically that means you have to buy a $40 Type 2 government permit, and then you can put in for all those hunts once you have that permit. Uh, and there's a lot of opportunities there. I never put in for those, but there are a lot of good hunt opportunities there if the guy's you know willing to buy that Type 2 permit. Uh, Heck, yeah. Well, I know that the Oklahoma draw hunts, the, the deadline is, you know, mid-May on something like that. Go to OklahomaDepartmentOfWildlife.com. Check that out. Montana, their deadline, I know for sure, is March 15th every year. Go to Fish uh, Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Check that out. Into the draw hunts. Got to get you uh, ALS number and all that, and you'll be set up, ready to go, and enter in yeah, whatever that, you want. And that's the thing with the Texas hunts. Like I said, they, so, they kind of – Zach – once they start having them in July, they kind of drag out till about the end of September. I think is when they finally shut them off uh, because by then, basically, all your deer seasons have started and yeah. and everything's getting you know running full stream here in here in Texas. So, uh, but you know, like I said, there there's even a couple of hunts on there that have you have an opportunity for elk uh, in Texas. There is a small wild herd of elk, but way 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 out west in the panhandle uh or way out west you know almost to new Me- or mexico arizona out in that area there uh there is a small herd of elk out there hmm. that and in texas there there is no season on elk so if you're on public land or on one of these hunts and you really? encounter one you can shoot an elk in texas without any kind of license for it uh, wow that's crazy. But the odds of doing that are real slim. But they're, you know, uh, one of the hunts, as a matter of fact, that I was going to put us in for uh, is is actually in an area that, you know, they recommend you hunting in pairs because there is a possibility that you could see an elk, and if you do, you're allowed to, to shoot one. So, uh, they yeah, want you exactly. to be able to physically and, pack and, it know, out. And, is that what they want you to hunt in groups for? I believe it's the Diablo National Forest or Diablo State Park, something like that. So you can tell by the name, it probably pretty well describes the country. Uh, but uh, yeah, El yeah, Diablo. A lot of opportunities in Texas for for exotics. You know, there's some hunts you can kill a a sandbar stag, you can kill nil guy, you can kill axis deer. There's all dad hunts. There's the one with the elk in it. So yeah, there's. There's a ton of opportunities out there. It's just you got to sit down and read through all the hunts and figure out what it is you're looking for and, and what it is you're wanting to try to do. Yep. Don't half-ass it. That's the whole deal. Do your research and find out yeah, exactly, exactly what you want to do and what exactly. you're capable of. Awesome. Well, Zach, thank you hey, so no much problem, for, for coming on the podcast with me tonight. And – I'm gonna let oh, you get back to that, that kid uh, and put him back to bed. And... Have to give props to her; she she managed to get that <laughs> done without a hit. So, uh, well, hey man, I'm not trying go. to get. I'm not trying to get. All, all right, Zach. Well, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I well, forgot about the movie you're embarrassed I don't to know like. I'm embarrassed Let's to like it. it, but it's probably one you wouldn't think I'd like. Uh, man, I'm gonna have to say it. Still, Magnolias is one of those movies that when it's on, I catch myself watching it. And I don't really know why, <laughs> but for whatever reason, uh, maybe it's the crazy old drunk lady. I don't know, but something about that movie. <laughs> you've never seen it. I've never seen but, it. Man, that sounds like one more movie I'm going to have nope. to mail you next Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, there's a couple of movies that Zach's like, oh, man, remember all this? I'm like, dude, I ain't never seen it. So. Last year around Christmas time, I got a box in the mail with a couple DVDs. It was uh, the Outlaw Josie Wales and Mountain Men. It's Mountain Men. Was, is it Mountain the Men, Mountain yeah. Man or Mountain Men or? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Charlton he Heston was, was in, in that one. one. Obviously, yeah. Clint Eastwood is in the 
Alphonse does well. So. Uh, oh, man. But, yeah. Obviously. Uh, I would have to say Still Magnolias would probably yeah. be, be one of those movies that you're liable to walk in and I'm watching it. Okay. And you're like, what are you doing? So. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, Again, thank you for your time for for coming on here and, and helping us break down, you know, the Texas draw hunt system. Because um, I, I knew nothing about it really, and but I'm glad that I got some information. And well, I'm definitely going to with you guys this year and, for sure. Uh, like I said, I look forward to Montana, obviously, the Callahan again this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite hunts of the year. We we do discuss that hunt quite frequently. Uh, but, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, in detail, extensive detail. But uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on, and I look forward to everything we got planned, and then what you know possible in the future. Because you know, I I know we've discussed putting in for other states in the future. Now that we've kind of getting our feet wet in the draw game, so yep, especially out yes, out sir. west like that. Okay, dude. Well, I'll let you go. All right, man. And, we'll see uh, you. Like I said, appreciate you coming on, All man. Right, we'll bye. talk to you soon.